The Jets will look to avoid an 0-3 start to the season when they go to Indianapolis to take on Phillip Rivers and the Colts. Can Gang Green compete in this football game, let alone win it? We give you a full preview of the matchup and make our predictions. Kaz and I will also chat with the greatest quarterback in Jets history, Hall of Famer, the guy that led them to a win in Super Bowl three. It's the legendary Broadway Joe. Joe Namath joins the show. All that and a whole lot more comes at you next, right here on Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome back, everybody, to Gangs All Here, our New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown here, my co-host, Jets beat writer for the Post, Brian Costello. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio at Brian Cos. Read Cos's stories in the Post at nypost.com. And if you're listening right now, stop what you're doing. Go on to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate us five stars, write in a nice review. We appreciate your support. If you're not there, head to Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever. You get podcasts. We bring you two episodes every week. So stay locked in. Even if the Jets keep losing, uh, we'll keep ranting and raving and telling it how it is. And a guy who tells it how it is in the second half of the show is Hall of Famer, Jets legend, the best quarterback in Jets history, Broadway Joe, will join us. Joe Namath in the second half of the show, Kaz. And, uh, you know, no week without drama in Jets land, Kaz. And, you know, the latest, it's Bradley McDougal, Avery Williamson, kind of questioning practice habits, interviews with SNY, WFN. Fill us in on this whole saga. It's like all my children here. It's a soap opera here with the Jets in week three. Well, it's one of those years, Jake. It's a bad football team, and bad football teams start doing this. They start, you know, trying to find out why they're a bad football team. And instead of just saying, we're not playing well, they start to diagnose it. And I guess Bradley McDougal, you know, after the game to SNY, said he thought some of their practices were sluggish last week. I think he was referring to the defense and he's saying they need to practice faster. Uh, and then Avery Williamson was asked about it on FAA on Tuesday on the Joe and Evan show and he backed them up and said he understood where he was, was saying, you know, they need to practice better. Then McDougal was on a Zoom call with uh, the beat reporters on Wednesday and said he wasn't, you know, referred to the coaches because obviously everyone took this as a shot at Adam Gase, uh, which I, and I actually took it as a shot more at Greg Williams because Greg Williams runs the defensive practices. Gase doesn't. But uh, everything's, you know, targeted that case right now so it went to him but McDougal said he was referring to the players and that they need to practice harder and there's nothing wrong with what the coaches are doing with practice uh you know I've lived this before Jake I remember 2014 Demario Davis came out and said they weren't practicing strong enough and Rex Ryan lost his mind that Demario said that it's just this is what happens when you're a bad football team <laughs> it's it's gonna do this this kind of stuff crops up and people you know start pointing fingers and that kind of thing you know, McDougal said he wasn't pointing fingers he was talking about himself and the team the players but it just just it's one of those years, Jake. Do you think there's any truth to that? I know you're not watching you guys don't get to see practice that closely, but do you, you know, buy into what he's saying at all? Not really. Uh in terms of like the structure of practice. Like I mean, I watch training camp practices and they're they're intense. They're intense as any practices I've been around. You know, Greg Williams is relentless during practice, screaming 
at them. And, you know, he, he's pretty tough. So surprises me a defensive player would say this. Two defensive players say it. I think it's it's tough. It's going to be – the only part that surprises me, Jake, is it's September. I would think guys are still kind of into it. You know, if you told me practices get sluggish in December, if the season's over, I could understand that. So, you know, I'm not quite sure exactly what Bradley saw or Avery saw, but they, they obviously feel like they need to have a better effort in practice. But, you know, to me, like I said, Jake, I think this is – players just look to diagnose things of why we why are we owing two and they, they try, try to come up with ideas and you know saying we need to practice better is an easy easy answer you're on joe and evan every week do uh do joe and evan ever pressure you into answers uh, you don't want to give cause not pressure me in answers i don't want to give but joe and evan clearly have an agenda against adam gase say they do not like adam gase i think they would be the first ones to admit that and if they see an opportunity to slam gase they're going to take it and i think they they viewed this as a, a hard you know horrible thing about gase but my argument to them was they've never been to a football practice and my knowledge i've never seen them at a jets practice so you know for those of you who've never been like during the season mcdougall's re- reference was to the beginning of practice to jake which is a little weird because the beginning of practice is everyone's in their position groups and the offense is on one field the defense is on another field and the dbs are over here the d line's over there so it's just going through drills i i don't see energy i don't see how the energy translates there and then they you know during the season it's not like sam Darnold goes against bradley mcdougall sam Darnold goes against the practice squad defensive guys the scout team you know the lesser players and then vice versa the number one defense goes against the scout team offense so it's not like they're competing against each other like it is in training camp so I you know you know I'd, I'd love to talk to Bradley off the record <laughs> right now and I think if this was a normal year we would have been lining up to try to talk to guys off the record today in the locker room to try to completely understand what he meant yeah and I'd love to see Joe Beningo out of practice bro bro I mean every play the bro tally would be off the charts you're heading to Indy for this third game they're 0-2 just an awful start 27-17 31-13 like we said in the last show the scores haven't indicated how bad that they've played but you know you go up against a Colts team this week that does have some injuries themselves the Jets have probably more but the Colts are going to be without, you know, potentially Jack Doyle. They're going to, out without safety Malik Hooker. They're without receiver Paris Campbell. Um, Mo Ali Cox, their tight end, went off for 111 yards against the Vikings last week. So he's a tight end the Jets are going to have to watch. But there are a couple injuries there that make you think, you know what, maybe the Jets can compete in this game. They didn't compete the first two weeks, but do you think there's enough injuries across the board for the Jets to compete, or do you see a blowout? I think they can compete. I don't think they can win. The Colts have the number one defense in the NFL right now. I mean, they completely shut the Vikings down who have a better offense than the Jets. Kirk Cousins could do nothing through three interceptions. One of them was a Hail Mary at the end of the half, but they dominated the Vikings. And then they have this ball control offense with Jonathan Taylor. You know, they lost Marlon Mack. They lost him. And then Jonathan Taylor steps in and he was great. Ran for hundred more than hundred yards on Sunday as a rookie. And they just controlled the clock against the Vikings. And I, you know, from what I saw Sunday against the 49ers, I think they'll probably be able to do that against the Jets as well. So they got to be competitive, Jake. Uh, it's got to be, you know, can't be 21-3 at halftime again <laughs> it's it's that's what that's what you're looking for this week i don't think you know i don't think anyone would have been surprised if you told them the jets were gonna start the year oh and three it's the way they've looked that's been so troubling and they, they gotta look better on sunday yeah and it'll come down to stopping the run like you said jonathan taylor 101 yards and a touchdown last week and they gave him the ball 26 times so they're giving the rookie the ball a lot philip rivers you know it's it's his style dinks and dunks and short passes and you know getting completions hence why his completion percentage has been 77 7.5%. Let's go to the Jets side here, Kaz. In practice this week, what are you seeing on the injury front? Obviously, a couple of new guys on that list. There's a good chance that Jameson Crowder yet again won't play. There's a chance Brashad Perriman doesn't play. So it's, it could end up being another week that, you know, the Jets 
rely a lot on guys like Braxton Berrios. Yeah, the two troubling spots are wide receiver, like you just mentioned. It doesn't, you know, Crowder, they said there's a chance. It doesn't sound like Perriman will be back until after the Denver game. So, yeah, you're looking at, you know, and Chris Hogan was limited on Wednesday. I think he's going to play. But you look at a practice, Josh Malone and Braxton Berrios are your two healthy receivers right now you know i mean that's that's just unbelievable uh they're gonna have to make some moves off the practice squad and bring somebody up probably for sunday maybe lawrence cager an undrafted rookie who had a good training camp before he got injured but that part's hurting and then the offensive line jay connor mcgovern has a hamstring injury didn't practice wednesday and then a new one just popped up when the injury report came out george fant is on there with a concussion uh, and Gase did not say that this morning, which leads me to believe that that happened at practice today. Maybe they're practicing too hard now. They've overcorrected because <laughs> of Bradley McDougald, and, and now you got a concussion. So if he can't go, now you're looking at two backup offensive linemen, and that's a nightmare the Jets lived through last year, and it looks like it might be starting again. Yeah, and their depth, that offensive line, it's a concern, right? I mean, who do you put yeah. in for George Fenn? you got to be worried. Chuma Adoga would be the guy, I would think. Um, the second year tackle who he had his struggles as a rookie last year really didn't compete in training camp for the starting job um, and then Josh Andrews I think would be the center who he he played at the end of last week he had some snap issues with Sam some some bad snaps in the shotgun so that's something to watch <laughs> another bad development for the Jets offense and the you know Josh Andrews one of like the quarter of the Jets roster that's a former Colt I mean the list goes on and on Henry Anderson, Josh Andrews, Terrell Basham, Pierre Desir, Matthias Farley, Frank Gordon, Nate Harrison, Thomas Hennessy, Quincy Wilson. So a lot of former uh, Colts. Do you buy into maybe, hey, this is revenge for these guys? I mean, a lot of these guys I listed outside of Frank Gore aren't great players, but do you look into, you know what, let's, you know, let's beat our old squad. Let's show them, you know, that they shouldn't have got rid of us. Do you buy into that or no? I think there's a little something to that, but not much. You know, I think, you know, we talked to Pierre Desir today and he was cut by them in March. So he said, it's, you know, he'd be lying if it didn't say this game had a little special meaning. But I think once the game starts, that's out the window. You know, the Jets have Rex Hogan in their front office, who's Joe Douglas's right-hand man. And, and he spent the last few years before last year in Indianapolis. So I think he's a driving force behind a lot of these guys. Some of them predate him. Last year or so, the guys they've picked up, I think, have been Rex Hogan guys. So, you know, we'll see. I think the Colts know what they're doing when they get rid of these guys. Though. All right, before we break this game down in full and make our prediction, cause let's shine some light. Let's talk some positives. Uh, you know, there's not there's been very, you know, you can count them on one hand, positive so far this season. One is that LaMichael P. Ryan is going to play, and maybe you see a little bit more out of him. He had a couple of carries last week. So maybe you see some of him with Le'Veon Bell out helping out Frank Gore in the backfield. But the two key positives we have to focus in on is, one, Quinton Williams had his best game as a pro against the 49ers, and then Makai Becton. I mean, you saw, I mean, Brian Baldinger did a great breakdown of kind of what he did against Bosa and that pass rush of the Niners. But Makai Becton looks like he can be a stud in here for a long time at left tackle. And that's, you know, that's something you got to smile about. There Again, very few bright spots, but the big fella on the left side has been uh, pretty fun to watch. Just how fast, too, Jake, he's been good. I mean, it usually takes a while, even for the good rookies, to develop. Uh, it's rare that a guy comes in in his first two games, he, he plays well. I mean, he's made some mistakes, but I, I can't think of anyone I've been around who moves people like he does like i mean the, the, like you referenced you know baldinger loves to show them on twitter and jeff schwartz is another guy who likes to show them he I mean he pancakes guys like two or three times in a game where he's knocking guys over and moving people and that's just you don't do that 
you know, even, even really good tackles don't do that. So that's been something to watch. And I think, yeah, they have to be thrilled with how Beckton looked. And obviously there was four tackles in this draft that everyone talked about and the Jets drafted the third one off the board, but I, I think they, they have to be thrilled with what they've gotten from him so far. And Quinnen, I mean, the light went on on Sunday. That, that was, that's what you've been looking for from Quinnen Williams since day one. Uh, he was a dominant player in that game. He impacted the game. Uh, obviously he sacked Jimmy Garoppolo. That's when Garoppolo hurt his ankle. Got another sack later. He was just in the backfield making plays, and and that's what that's what they need to see from Quinnen. So maybe you know he can build off of that game. The Colts' offensive line is really tough. They've gone from having one of the weaker offensive lines in the league to having one of the better. Uh, that's a credit to Chris Ballard, the GM, for building that line. And so it's going to be tough for Quinnen, but uh, if he can play like that, the Jets will be thrilled. And Kaz, a big key. You know, Philip Rivers loves to take shots down the field. He's done his whole career. He likes to take some throws that you would consider risky. And Quinnen Williams has to be part of getting in his face and making him make some bad decisions because T.Y. Hilton has been kind of non-existent so far. A guy like Mo Ali cox has been uh, the, the game-breaker and Jonathan Taylor and the running game. So, you know, this is a chance here for the Jets to put some, you know, pass rush on Phillip Rivers and try and contain the run. The run has been the key to the Colts, you know, one-and-one one start. They they had a devastating loss to the Jaguars who were expected to be right there with the Jets as one of the worst teams in the league. And so far they have looked decent, at least, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that division could be up for grabs. The Colts are going to be right there in the running as Phillip Rivers goes into year 39 of his life. It's going to be interesting, this game. Let's break it down. The Jets are, you know, 11-point underdogs in this game. So Vegas is, you know, finally saying, you know, we, we were too nice making the 49ers only 7-point favorites. We're going to make the Colts 11-point favorites. Of course, the home team gets like three points, so that factors in here. The over-under is around 44 right now in this game. Uh, how do you see this playing out, Kaz? Uh, do, do you think the Jets cover this 11-point spread? Do you, do you see a blowout? What do you see? How do you see it playing out? I don't think they'll cover. I think the Colts will end up winning by 14, 15, somewhere in that area. You know, I think the key for the Jets is just to keep it close for a while. You know, I think that'd be progress for it not to be an 18 point deficit at halftime. But I just think the Colts defense is really, really good. They look, they, they're playing well and the Jets offense is really, really bad. And with all these injuries that we just talked about, I just don't see how they're going to score points. You know, and I think you have to be concerned about the Jets run defense, which is not something you've you had to say last year that was something they were very good at but the 49ers were just killing them last week so I think Colts are going to see that and they're going to go with their young guy Taylor and just control the clock grind it out and you know probably probably won't be pretty but I think uh the Colts will end up winning this game yeah and you might see the Jets stack the box but they don't have a lot of talent to stack the box on that front seven or in the secondary so uh, you know, you can't blame the Colts if they run the ball 35 times on Sunday. And Kaz, you know, make sure you check for his score in the paper because Kaz had it exactly on the nose on Sunday, 31-13. Yes. Uh, so I'll be uh, asking you for my Mega Millions numbers coming up this week to try and pick those. That doesn't happen often, huh? That does not happen often, Jake. And people obsess over that prediction in the paper on Sunday. I can't like I can tell how into it Jets fans are and how when they get apathetic by my emails because some years when I pick against. Yes, I get the nastiest emails that I, about my intelligence and everything. And then some years like this year, I, I don't hear anything when I pick against them. So I know Jets fans now have just kind of given up on this season. But I, yeah, I got lucky 31-13 on Sunday. I, I wouldn't count on me doing it again anytime soon. Cos will be accepting all you know gift cards in his emails, flowers, chocolates. Are you a chocolate guy? What's your favorite kind of candy? Sure. Guys? My favorite kind probably Reese's Peanut Butter Cups would probably be my favorite candy, Jake. That was a big debate on Twitter the other day. People were like, which candy would you 
you get rid of. And a lot of people were voting Twizzlers, which really hurt me because Twizzlers are a vital part of me seeing movies, which I which I badly miss um, seeing movies. But anyways, Jets Colts, I think the Jets cover, but I would not put a dime on it. And I think they <laughs> I, I think they cover on a backdoor cover cause. I think just like last week, they get a garbage time touchdown and they lose this game 30 20. I just think with all the injuries, with everything, all the drama that's happened with the offense being so sluggish. I don't think they have enough talent to compete with a team like the Colts. Now, when we preview the Thursday game versus the Broncos, that's a different story because you go up against a guy like Jeff Driscoll, you know, in a short week for both teams. Maybe they do have a shot to win that game and they could finally get in the winning column. But for this week, they're just not there yet. I do think they get a little bit better offensively, and that's why I have them scoring 20 points. But I say 30-20, so the I wouldn't touch the over-under either, honestly. I say Jets and over, but again, don't put a dime on that. Don't send me emails. Yeah. Don't send me <laughs> chocolates. Don't send me anything because I wouldn't buy that. Yeah, I like the under there, Jake. But 44, you said the number is? 44 around there, yeah. Yeah, I don't I – don't, because I, I think the Colts' game plan is just going to be to grind it out and control the ball. You know, it's not like – I don't think they're going to put up major points and then – I don't think the Jets can put up major points. So I, I think I think it'll be, uh, you know, I think it'll be under in this game. To me, the key to this whole thing, you mentioned the Broncos. It's like these next whatever it is, you know, the, the next week, the next eight days, they got to be competitive against the Colts and they've got to beat the Broncos. And if, if they come out and they're Owen, you know, Owen four and looking like they have in the first two games, then, you know, I don't know what they do. I think all bets are off then. And, and I don't know what happens after that, but they've got to, this next week is critical for them just to show they're an NFL team. You know, right now they don't look like an NFL team, look good against the Colts, beat the Broncos. And then I think, you know, you can maybe stabilize this thing a little bit. Yeah. And if you remember last year, cause they got off to that Owen four start, they had that miracle win over the Cowboys and then they lost the next three after that. So, you know, they were one and seven to start the season. So we could, if you're right, if they don't compete and they don't win against the Broncos, we could be looking against something similar or worse because the Cardinals are playing incredible. Kyler Murray's great. Uh, the Chargers, you know, it might be Herbert then who looked awesome in his debut against the Chiefs and the Bills, Chiefs, Patriots. I mean, the schedule gets no easier if they can't take down Jeff Driscoll and if they can't show some life against the Colts. You're going to Indianapolis. What what do you do in Indianapolis? I can't say I've ever been to Indiana, uh, especially during a pandemic. What do you what do you see yourself doing? What are you going to be eating? During a pandemic, I won't be leaving my hotel room, Jake. I'll be I'll be getting off the plane, getting in my rental car, wiping my rental car down with my 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 wipes, and then going to the hotel room and ordering room service in the hotel. And I'll come out when I have to go to the game. But Indianapolis, we go there a lot because of the combine. So I go to Indianapolis at least once a year. And the cool thing about Indianapolis, Jake, is you don't have to go outside in Indianapolis, which is great in February. And that's why the combine is so popular. They have these walkways that basically connect the buildings downtown. And you, you can pretty much stay inside. There's some areas you have to come out, but you can walk through the convention center and then go to the mall. Like the combine, why wouldn't they put the combine in like San Diego, right? Or like some great, you know, some great beach town. Well, it's because everything in Indianapolis is so condensed and NFL teams love it you know they can keep everything in one area and they don't they can just move from building to building all the hotels are connected so that's the cool thing about indianapolis uh, there's some good restaurants in indianapolis too uh, i won't be able to frequent them this weekend but hopefully I get some good re- room service at least yeah what's like what's like you think of different cities you think kansas city like barbecue you know texas kind of barbecue you think each city i feel like has a kind of meal that you point to what do you point to in indianapolis well the most famous place is saint almost steakhouse 
in Indianapolis, Jake, which has a famous shrimp cocktail, which is like the hottest, hottest cocktail sauce you'll ever taste in your life. It basically makes you cry the minute you eat it. So that's the, you know, if you like to cry with your meals, Indianapolis is your town. They they, they also just have some, some decent restaurants right downtown. Uh, You know, they, I don't think they're famous for any type of food, but St. Elmo, look that up. St. Elmo is a famous steakhouse there. Well, I like to cry over my meal while watching the Jets. So, you know, <laughs> you know when the second half. I'll get you be- some cocktail sauce. Yeah, well, listen, I went the first 25 years of my life without you know, really liking shrimp, which is a travesty and I hate myself for it, wow. but I could eat shrimp every, I just had a piece of fried shrimp before we did the show. So I could eat shrimp every day of my life and still be satisfied. Um, so there we go. That's, that's a steakhouse. Next time I find myself in Indianapolis, uh, which who knows when, during when this pandemic going on, but good to know causes eats causes eateries. We'll need a weekly column whenever you travel in this, in this weird year where you never know which week you're traveling and which week you're not a guy who's, well-traveled, either on the TV screen, on your movie screen, on the football field, wherever it may be, is the greatest quarterback to ever wear the green and white. It is Broadway Joe, Joe Namath. Joe Namath joins Kaz and I next, right here on Gangs All Here. Joining us now is the greatest quarterback to ever play behind center for the New York Jets. He was the Jets QB from 1965 through 1976. He was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1985. He led the Jets to their only Super Bowl title back in 1969. That was Super Bowl III in a 16-7 win over the Baltimore Colts as the Jets play the Indianapolis Colts this week. He was also the Super Bowl MVP in that Super Bowl. He led the Jets to two AFL East championships. He threw for 27,000-plus yards in his career to go along with 173 touchdowns. You can follow him on Twitter at RealJoeNamath. You can get his book, All the Way, My Life in Four Quarters, now on Amazon, wherever you get books. It's the immortal, number 12, Broadway Joe Namath, joining us on Gangs All Here. Joe, uh, Jake Brown, Brian Costello, you came on the debut of gangs all here last year and we're glad to have you back on for season two how are you man well thank you jake brian good to be with you guys uh healthy i'm healthy physically uh mentally uh uh the whole family's healthy but uh football wise uh we're a little bit depressed after these first couple of weeks of our team uh, uh getting the nfl season started yeah a rough start here joe and I-, I gotta say i can't avoid you whenever i'm flipping through channels you're always on some kind of commercial I feel like still today so uh, you know I feel like I, I know you so well you're always in, in my room just on the TV I see you so uh, it's good to hear your voice over the phone here on the show yeah give us your thoughts here on the first two weeks of the season the Jets 0-2 start it's, it's been rough Joe oh yeah yeah it's been rough and uh, I, I know I keep hearing uh, they got it when the team talks, you know, uh, they got to find a way to win. Yeah, and uh, they got to make a way to win. You know, they got to just perform better. They got to really uh, put it together and perform better. And either you have the people there or, or they're not there. You're going up against a good team uh, this week, and they're going to have to play very well to be able to beat the Colts. It doesn't look good from the outside here, looking, watching, uh, seeing the players, uh, uh, the way they've been performing, and uh, we can only hope that they play their best game. Certainly, uh, 
for this season so far and come out on top. Joe, I think a lot of Jets fans are struggling to evaluate Sam Darnold because of the players around him. There's just not a lot of great talent around him. I've heard you in the past say talk about Archie Manning as a guy you know you thought was a great quarterback, but just didn't have the weapons around him to help him. You know, how do you feel about right now about what the Jets have put around Sam to to try to help him in his third year here? Well, you know what, in his third year, he Sam's not without fault too. I wasn't without fault in my twelfth year, eleventh year. We make mistakes. Sam's got to play better too. Uh, I mean, you can go back doesn't make any difference when you got open guys you know you want to throw the ball where they can handle it and catch it and uh it's a collective failure so far it's not just uh sam not playing his best football i don't know that there's a player on the team that could say that they've played their best football at this point getting determined to change something in the, the work habits the practice habits whatever but change is a constant and what they've been trying is not working uh, they need to get better or they're going to be gone. You know, it's going to be a long season of frustration. And uh, they, they have got to change. I don't know about their mental attitude, but they sure as heck has got to change their execution failures and, and be more positive with how they're going about things. Are you still confident, Joe, that Sam Darnold is the Jets franchise quarterback? Or are you, are you worried the way he's playing that you might have to think if you do have that top pick, getting a guy like Trevor Lawrence or getting another quarterback after the season? I think that's too far ahead. I'm not – Lawrence is going to get picked by somebody. I don't think we're going to be last place team in the league. I'm certainly hoping uh, not. And as far as uh, Sam so far, it's, it's a collective effort of failure, you know. I mean, some guys, if the running game's going better, the passing game will go better. You know, you got individuals on a series of plays make a mistake. One guy makes a mistake and play can break down. They've all got to play better. And, you know, this is the big leagues. If they don't play better, they'll be looking for a job. And, you know, that, that's just the way this uh, sport is in most sports. Uh, other sports, too, the guys. That one-eyed monster, you know, that, that tape that, that uh, you have after the game to look at. It doesn't tell any lies, man, and uh, each guy gets evaluated every single play. And if they're not doing the job, then Mr. Douglas, they've got to find other players. Joe, you, you, as you said, I, I agree with you completely. There's a lot of blame to go around. Um, I think a lot of Jets fans just want to blame the head coach and fire him and think that'll change things. Where are you on Adam Gase right now and his role in this whole thing? I think he's a smart coach. I think he knows how to call plays. I think he hasn't thrown an interception. He hasn't fumbled. He hasn't missed the block. So it comes down to the execution of the players. But I also think in, in watching and uh, listening to Coach Gase at his uh, post-game meeting talking about why they did some things uh, against uh, the, the 49ers, they were concerned with being able to block those outside rushes. So they played their tight end tight or whatever, you know, and uh, he knows more about the other team than I certainly do. So I, I gather that was the best approach uh, going in. But uh, it didn't work out. And San Francisco, let's, let's start right there. Now, San Francisco happened to be the second-best team in, in, in football last year. <laughs> you know, so uh, they, they have a lot of 
good players on their team, and they're in sync. They seem to be in sync, defensively, collectively, offensively, collectively. Sometimes we appear to be out of sync. And uh, again, that comes down to specific uh, players, the way you prepare. I don't know what's going on, what's wrong, other than it's more than one thing. It's more than one person. John, I'm curious, you, when you played, I, I can't even imagine what training camp was like. You guys were in peak skill. I remember seeing the pictures of that. I can't imagine how many hours you practiced a day. This team, you know, training camp was condensed, no preseason, a lot of new pieces. How, you know, how much do you think that's playing a role in what we see here and just what you said? They, they look out of sync. Could it be just not enough time together uh, in the preseason? Well, if you want to give them that for an excuse, like everybody else can use it for an excuse, you, you, you know, that's right. Uh, you, you can do that. These guys, before they even got to the big leagues, uh, they didn't get any preseason games collegiately. Uh, you know, it, it's the same playing field for everybody right now. Sure, it, it, it's tougher than what they're used to, but they, they're not making excuses. Uh, they know they're not doing the job well, and uh, they know they can do it better. And if they don't believe that, beat down in their gut and look each other in the eye, then uh, they need to change change jobs. <laughs> yeah, to me, I, I know everyone's on the same playing field, but the two, two teams they played, the Bills, I think, had 22 starters back from last year. The 49ers are largely the same team. They had a lot of injuries, but they had a lot of guys back. Obviously, they were a Super Bowl team. You don't make a lot of changes to that. The Jets have, uh, I think, four returning starters on offense. I just think I think the Jets were a team that really missed not having any preseason time together. Five new starters on the offensive line, not making excuses for them. But I do think that's a reason to be hopeful that they'll get better the more time they have to work together as it goes forward here. Yeah, well, we darn sure hope that they'll get better because <laughs> – <laughs> If they get worse, it is going to be a long season. But even whenever the season, the schedule came out, everybody looked at the schedule. I mean, myself, and I shouldn't say everybody, but just, wow, what a tough schedule. I mean, the team, you just looked at that opening, that schedule came out, how these teams lined up. Look at your first three games, and I'm talking about the Colts coming up now. That defense they have over there, you know, and you're going, yeah, they, they, they so far they've been uh, not dealt a good hand and uh, they haven't played the ones they've had so far as well as they'd like to. It, it, it's a tough season and uh, they got to, as Coach Gates has said and as the players, uh, Sam, hey, they got to get better fast. They got to start executing better and it, it's not easy because the competition's trying to beat you up. And that's, you know, the, the Colts have an attitude. It's going to be a tough, tough go this coming Sunday, too. Joe, do you like the approach here that Joe Douglas is doing with, with the rebuild? Obviously, Mike McCagney did a lot of moves that did not work very well. Jets have $30 million kind of to spend under the cap here. Do you like the approach of Joe Douglas? Do you like what you've seen from the GM so far? Do You, you know, it's been 10 years since his team's been in the playoffs it feels like forever um it's it's a long slow patient approach do you like that i don't you know i haven't focused on uh that part of it because i i, I know that uh, joe knows what he's doing much better than i do and he's he's lived it he has a good background uh, uh with the nfl and, and doing his job we needed changes going into this year and he certainly has made some and will probably need some changes next season but uh he knows certainly better than i do and i i mean he needs time 
they need time. I mean, uh, the team needs to improve, and uh, your, your players, uh, they, they know which <laughs> – they, they may think they know which ones right now uh, who are walking a very, very shaky uh, path there. But uh, it is what it is. These guys got to go out and play. You know, and they and they got to play hard. Otherwise, uh, uh, it's going to be a long season for them, individually and collectively. It's already, it already feels long, Joe. It's only two games in. <laughs> well, again, now, you know what? You lose the way they've lost it. If you lose by two points, you know, all right, you've got more enthusiasm. You've got more confidence. But, you know... You want to get more to, to, to be able to hold on to. You want to look at the team's performance and see, wow, that was a good play. This is a good play. They, that was closer. They really uh, started out against Buffalo. Well, you know, Buffalo's a good team. Yeah, they're up there. And that quarterback and offense played a heck of a game. It was tough to control. Well, this team's good. Uh, uh, they, they're just The team knows they haven't played well. The fans know they haven't played well. As I mentioned earlier on, Sam would like to have thrown the, the ball more accurately. The receivers, uh, the blind shit, it's collective uh, failure so far, you know, the whole team. But they can, <laughs> they can improve. They should improve. They will improve. Joe, I just had a quarterback mechanics question for you. Obviously, you know a lot more about that than I do. When, But watching Sam, his, sometimes his feet don't seem tied to his arm. His feet point one way and his arm goes the other way. It's like his upper half of his body, his lower half aren't together. Just curious as a quarterback, is that something that's difficult to do to get those to work in concert? Is that something you ever had problems with? And if so, did you do anything? That, how do you overcome it eventually? You know, when you were saying, asking about that, I was thinking of Aaron Rodgers up there. How's he throwing? Uh, you're, you're thinking of uh, McHones. How's he throwing? You're watching uh, Wilson out there. You're watching these guys moving around. Sam's throwing more balls than I probably have in my lifetime because they work a lot more, a lot longer, even in the off season. So, uh, yeah, he's got room for improvement. He knows that, and uh, hopefully it, it comes fast. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, we've seen him throw a lot of nice passes, a lot of good passes, but it, the mind comes into play too, the confidence factor, your head. Uh, are you pressing? Does he start pressing? Does the offensive lineman start pressing when he gets beaten here one, one time or whatever? Those are the things that I think uh, Joe Douglas evaluate you know the kind of players you get on your team can they mentally be tough enough focus them are they smart enough to be able to overcome failure you know the the game all these cats are physically strong and good but it's between the ears that gives the team the winners i believe the edge how they keep from beating themselves how you come out of a three-point stance and that first step is just not exactly the way it's supposed to be do you line up offside errors that hurt your team you know uh, maybe it's just collectively they're not a bunch of smart players you know so uh i may get in trouble guys might not <laughs> like to hear that but every player needs to look in the mirror and recognize what what he's done specifically and they got it tightened up on the particulars tighten up not not being physically tightened up i'm talking about get sharper with their job mentally know what they're doing better and uh, not have the doubts uh, 
that can come after certainly two losses to start with and, and going up there. How do you, it, it takes leaders on that team, too. Uh, the guys on the team to talk to one another and say, all right, let's go. You know, we've got it, Sam, let's do it. And uh, make these guys accountable individually, collectively in the locker room. Not let them get away with dumb things in practice. Not let them line up uh, the wrong way. Not, you know, I mean, correct them. You yell at them if, they, if they're making these mental errors. Get them to focus again. And uh, if they can't do it, then Douglas will get somebody else in there that is smarter. Well, Joe, if they don't like what they're saying, they got to play better. You're telling it how it is, and the team stinks right now. They're not competing, so maybe they could, you know, take a page or two out of your your uh, playbook, Joe, and play better and start winning football games. And that starts Sunday against the Colts. Now, what kind of memories do you have of the Colts? Obviously, Super Bowl three must bring back some happy memories and uh, take you down memory lane a little bit here. Yeah, well, as a kid, you know, I was a Colts fan, too, even though Pittsburgh Steelers were close to home. But we had a guy from my hometown named Jim Mutchlew playing tight end for the Colts. And, uh, boy, we pulled for them. Uh, the other things other than the championship game, I remember a shattered navicular bone in my right wrist uh, when uh, a defensive lineman and I went down to the ground. And I also remember three torn ligaments in my right shoulder. <laughs> whenever we went over to Baltimore and uh, we had one of those plays that was a kind of a mistake and the guy came free so uh, uh, oh and I remember up there we went to Baltimore boy and I could see John Riggins and Don Maynard Eddie Bell Rich Caster Caster the last two passes of the game that we threw, Baltimore was expecting us to run the ball. And, and, and I knew that. We knew that. So anyway, we uh, called pass play on first down and cast the caught it for 79-yard touchdown. And Johnny Unitas brought him right back down the field, man, ran that, run a bunch of plays and score. We went out there. Then all we did was change formations because I saw a Safety coming in the game from Baltimore. He had a clean uniform. He's a substitute. <laughs> and boy, I put Caster on him. Caster hooks ran right by him for an 80 yard touchdown pass. And one of the best things I ever saw while Caster was running down the field for the touchdown, one of the meanest, toughest middle linebackers that ever played the game, Mike Mad Dog Curtis. After he chased Caster for about 20 yards, he just dove and hit the ground and started pounding the ground face down with both fists, hitting it. He was so dad gum angry. And that was one of the best sights I ever saw. <laughs> I think the Jets could use some of those guys you named on Sunday, Joe, including yourself. And, you know, get Maynard, get Snell, get Boozer, get these guys out there for this offense on Sunday. They, well, they could use you know it. what? For our offense this Sunday and defense, too, those guys are going to be sticking together collectively, believing that they're going to improve. And I think uh, Gates will have them. Uh, uh, Coach Williams, you know, they're going to have them fired up and ready to go out there to win. They plan on winning. But they got to execute. They've got to keep from beating themselves, execute, and uh, who knows? You know, they might pull it off, and I'm sure hoping they do. Joe, you are a larger than life personality, still are. And, you know, you did a lot of acting as well. And, you know, you were up to host Family Feud at one time. You were part of the Sunny and Share Comedy <laughs> Hour, Brady Bunch. Uh, the list goes on and on. Will we see Joe Namath back on our movie or TV screens anytime soon? 
You know what? I've been to four places uh, since February. Uh, one of those was a hospital. Uh, had my left hip replaced. Uh, maybe five places. I've been to the gasoline station, to the grocery <laughs> store, to the FedEx store, and to the UPS store. <laughs> I'm doing what the doctors say, the medical people say, man. I'm staying low and... Uh, Praying, praying that this uh, COVID-19, this, this virus, uh, we, we come up with a vaccine, man. It just frustrates us all that uh, not everyone adheres to what the medical people recommend. And uh, it, it's terrifying. It, it, it's a tough time. So you guys, uh, we'll all collectively say our prayers and hope for a miracle. Yeah, well, Joe, we hope next season that we'll see you back at, you know, MetLife Stadium, wishing you the best health. And uh, if you haven't read Joe's book, All the Way, My Life in Four Quarters, definitely go read and follow him on Twitter at RealJoeNamath. Joe, we appreciate you coming on. Gang's all here. Let's hope the Jets kind of turn this around here. We need we need some victories. We can't go in 16. Got to win a couple games. Oh, yes, absolutely. And, you know, it doesn't take a miracle to win this week. Those players can all play on the Jets team. They just need to get together. They need to play together. They need to go up there and play the best they've played this season, and they can beat that team. Well, let's get a victory. And, Joe, uh, best to you and your family. We appreciate the time. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Dave. Brian, you bet you, buddy. Take care. That'll put the icing on the cake for episode 37, the George Knock edition of Gangs All Here, our New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Alex Camerata for helping me out in producing the show. As you say bye, do us a favor. Go on to Apple Podcasts now, write in a positive review, and give us a five-star rating. We love the feedback. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We return Monday following the Jets matchup with the Colts in Indy. Jets fan and radio host Brandon Tierney will join us. We'll see you then. Enjoy the game, folks. Stay safe.